Vesini, Damian Lillard trade is a win for Bucks, solid for Blazers and questionable for Suns. Sam Vesini. Chicago, Illinois, February 4, Damian Lillard No. 0 of the Portland Trail Blazers looks on against the Chicago Bulls during the first half at United Center on February 4, 2023 in Chicago, Illinois. No TO user, user expressly acknowledges and agrees that, by downloading and or using this photograph, user is consenting to the terms and conditions of the Getty Images license agreement. Photo by Michael Reeves slash Getty Images, HTTPS slash slash com slash cgi slash image slash width equals format equals auto quality equals slash HTTPS slash slash com slash app slash upload slash 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 Getty Image sex jpg. The Damien Lillard sweepstakes are complete. And as it usually happens in these long-rumored, interminably dissected, much-discussed trades, the team acquiring Lillard is not the one people expected. This time, it wasn't the Miami Heat, but the Milwaukee Bucks, who acquired Lillard as part of a three-team deal involving the Portland Trail Blazers and Phoenix Suns, https colon slash slash athletic.com slash NBA slash team slash Suns. The Bucks get Lillard. The Blazers get Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tamani Kamara, an unprotected 2029 first-round Bucks pick and first-round pick swaps in 2028 and 2030. The Suns will get Joseph Nurkic, Nasser Little, Kian Johnson, and Grayson Allen, https colon slash slash athletic.com slash NBA slash player slash Grayson dash Allen dash E9 if 6RR is HPXGS. It's a complicated deal, especially considering it seems like the return for the Blazers is not yet complete as they will look to shop holiday in the coming days. Let's dive into the deal and everything it encompasses, explaining why this is a win for Milwaukee, a solid return for the Blazers and a questionable decision from Phoenix, even if further investigation at least made me understand their side better. HTTPS colon slash slash athletic.com slash 4906187 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash Damien dash Lillard dash trade dash grades dash bucks dash suns dash blazers. Go deeper, HTTPS colon slash slash athletic.com slash 4906187 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash Damien dash Lillard dash trade dash grades dash bucks dash suns dash blazers. Damian Lillard trade grades, Bucks cash in, the Suns, Blazers swap centers, https colon slash slash athletic.com slash 4906187 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash Damian dash Lillard dash trade dash grades dash Bucks dash Suns dash Blazers. This is a substantial upgrade for Milwaukee. The Bucks didn't just get better, they got drastically better because of Lillard's fit with the Bucks and his obvious talent level. Lillard is coming off the best individual season of his career statistically. He carried a talent-deficient Blazers team into the play-in tournament race through the first 60 games of the season. In the 58 games Lillard played, he averaged a career-high 32.2 points, 7.3 assists and had a true shooting percentage that was 11% above league average, the best mark of his career. According to dunksandthrees.com, Lillard was worth 14.3 wins last season, an absurd mark for that few games played. It was the sixth-best mark in the NBA, while he posted the third-best EPM in the league. How did he get better? Lillard upped his three-point volume, firing more than 11 three-point attempts per game and making them at a 37.1% clip. More than seven of those three-point attempts per game were pull-ups, with his gravity on the game out of ball screens having a monstrous effect on his team's offense. 
but beyond that, Lillard's improvement inside the three-point line made a huge difference. When teams started to overplay him, put two players on the ball or tried to slow him down, he attacked aggressively, picked his spots at an elite level as a finisher and drew fouls at a prodigious clip. Lillard took 9.6 free throw attempts per game last season, blowing his previous high of 7.4 out of the water. Lillard also shot 62% at the rim in half-court settings last season, per Synergy, a 4% improvement over his previous career high. Offensively, he was as dominant as any guard in the NBA. This deal works for the Bucks because of how Lillard's style of play is going to impact their offense. I don't know how you stop this team on that end of the court now. There will not be a better, more devastating two-man game in the NBA next season than Giannis Antetokounmpo and Lillard. The best way to guard Lillard is typically by putting two defenders on the ball and forcing it out of his hands. If you don't at least play at the level of a ball screen or dribble handoff, he's going to pull up and fire from up to 27 feet away. The best way to guard Antetokounmpo, however, is to, as Stan Van Gundy so aptly put it many years ago, form AF wall at the rim to stop his momentum. You can already see the problem here. If you have to put two guys on the ball to stop Lillard from shooting, that means only three players are left to guard four bucks, one of whom will likely be Antetokounmpo diving to the rim. On the second side of the action, you have Chris Middleton, an elite shooter off the catch. In the corner, you have Brooke Lopez, firing from three. The fifth guy can be one of Pat Connaughton, Bobby Porty, or Malik Beasley, spacing from three. Or you can run out Marjon Beecham or Andre Jackson cutting from the corner. If you want to switch things up, you can run a ball screen with Lopez picking and popping from three, where Antetokounmpo is a freight train crashing in from the dunker spot while the help defender has to respect Lillard in the paint while surrounded by shooters. For as good as Holiday was for the Bucks, and he was great, he never had this sort of gravity as a shooter and scorer. The significant strategy for teams was to let Holiday try to beat them as a shooter. A lot of the time, it worked. But Holiday shot 39.6% from the field and 30.4% from three in his three playoff runs with Milwaukee while only getting to the line 2.5 times per game. You cannot do this with Lillard. He's the second-best pull-up shooter in league history behind Stephen Curry and the kind of shooter who forces you entirely out of your comfort zone. Here are examples. The Bucks love to play drop coverage with Lopez and camp him in the paint for as long as possible. But against Lillard, look at where Lopez is at the mesh point of the screen. He's above the three-point line because of the threat of Lillard's shot. The residual effects of that are clear. Because he's so high up the court, Jeremy Grant has an open lane to the rim to drive after receiving the kick out. Lopez can't recover in time to contest the shot. Now, imagine that is Antetokounmpo covering ground as quickly as he does. Even when Lillard isn't shooting, his gravity for the rest of the offense is real. Milwaukee has always been well regarded for its spacing, but the Bucks have never had actual on-ball gravity from a shooting perspective. That's going to make Antetokounmpo lethal on the interior, and it's going to create even more space for Middleton's creative mid-range game. And if you're not that high up the court, Lillard can kill you on pull-ups, such as this one where Anthony Davis stays at the top of the key and gives Lillard too much room. 
You need to be above the key and at the three-point line or its curtains, especially in semi-transition. The big question about losing Holiday comes on defense. Holiday is one of the best one-on-one -on -one defenders in the league against guards and has been spectacular fighting over the top of screens within the drop scheme for Lopez. That's a place Lillard has struggled. He's less consistent getting over screens and needs to get better in that regard for the Bucks to be as strong defensively against three-point shooters. However, I've always been of the opinion that the two most important defenders on this team are Lopez and Antetokounmpo. With those two intact, the team should still have an elite-level defense on the interior. The more important questions the Bucks will need to answer will come in bench units. Beecham and Jackson should be able to come in and provide a spark, but can Portis be as impactful without that level of defense chasing around screens? Portis played about half of his minutes last season with Holiday, and the team gave up about 116 points per 100 in the 900 minutes where Holiday was off the court, per PBP stats. This move will also likely result in Antetokounmpo taking on more high-leverage minutes against elite wing scorers, something that frankly probably should have been happening already as Holiday's level had dropped a bit against players 6'6 or bigger. Jimmy Butler's performance in the playoffs was an example of that. But the offensive firepower the Bucks have should outweigh the defensive questions. This is a smart trade for the Bucks on the court, and that's before we even get to the potential add-on effects of keeping Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee. The Bucks were in a situation where they needed a change of pace and an adjustment to what had been there, and it probably had to be within the core group. Otherwise, they risked another early-round exit. One of the other teams involved in this deal, Phoenix, is a prime example of what can happen if you hold on to the core group that took you deep in the playoffs for too long. Eventually, you have to shake it up, and it's better now, before the season, instead of adjusting on the fly at the trade deadline. If this move is the one that keeps Giannis in Milwaukee, and there is a good chance it is, it's worth every penny. And with a talent like him, you have to do everything you can to prove to him that you want to win. Portland, the pick assets, Aiton and what next for Drew? Throughout this process, Portland was artificially limited in its ability to create a trade market for Lillard because of his long-term salary and desire to go to Miami. Some teams that could have made a genuine case for getting involved in talks for Lillard decided to back off for those reasons. Instead of putting themselves in a box, Joe Cronin and the Portland front office decided to get a few long-term assets they liked for Lillard in addition to Holiday, a similarly aged but less valuable all-star point guard who will not be as difficult to move. It's an interesting strategy. And ultimately, from an opportunity cost perspective given some of the other speculated about deals, this is the one I like best for the Blazers. It's an imperfect solution to trading an organizational icon but one that could provide real upside. The easiest place to start is with the draft capital. This is a better deal for Portland than what Miami or Toronto seemed likely to offer. Miami is a consistent destination spot for high-level players and Toronto has enough young talent to where you can sell yourself on them still being good in 2028. But one look at Milwaukee's roster will tell you how valuable these picks might be in the future. Lillard's contract expires in 2027 with a player option in that final season. Middleton is 32 with a deal that expires in 2026 with a player option in 2025 to 26. 
Brooke Lopez is 35 and on a two-year contract. And for as much as we all love Antetokounmpo, who is coming off another top three MVP finish in 2023, his physical style of play does leave some executives around the league wondering how long his prime will extend. He turns 29 in December and will be 34 by the time these picks transfer. He's missed between 15 and 20 games each of the last two years. There's a chance Milwaukee has to bottom out near the end of the decade in a way that I don't think we've seen Miami or Toronto do outside of the Raptors' field trip to Tampa in 2020-21. I get that Portland is only guaranteed to receive one pick here, but I would bet on this draft capital being valuable around the time Scoot Henderson and company are ready to start competing. And the upside of betting on what could be high-end lottery picks is worth getting one less mid-to-late first-rounder, which is what Miami's picks should project as until Eric Spolster leaves, the sun stops shining in Miami or the Florida state tax code changes. The big asset Portland will likely retain long-term is Aiton. Few players league-wide bring out a wider range of opinions from NBA executives. HTTPS colon slash slash theathletic.com slash 4907145 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash DeAndre dash 8 and dash Suns dash Blazers dash trade. Go deeper, HTTPS colon slash slash theathletic.com slash 4907145 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash DeAndre dash 8 and dash Suns dash Blazers dash trade. DeAndre Ayton's run with Suns is over after trade to Portland, what to make of it? https colon slash slash theathletic.com slash 4907145 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash DeAndre dash 8 and dash Suns dash Blazers dash trade. On one hand, he's one of the few true centers who has recently shown genuine playoff value, helping lead Phoenix to the NBA Finals in 2021. He's a 25-year-old big man who averaged 18 points and 10 rebounds per game last season and has showcased real defensive value, even if this past season wasn't his best. For those in the scouting community, it's easy to sell yourself on a 7-foot big who can move his feet well enough to guard in space, has potential to physically bully anybody on the interior and has enough touch to be a legitimate scorer. For those in the analytics community, you don't actually have to go that far to find value either. In 2022, Aiton was a plus 3.2 according to Dunksan3s.com's EPM model, which was 10th among centers to play at least 50 games. Aiton has been a positive EPM player every year of his career. But Aiton also hasn't quite been what was expected either, and that has probably warped the view of his career. Three of the four players drafted immediately after Aiton have morphed into all-stars, Luka Donich, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Trey Young. Additionally, Aiton's situation in Phoenix has been fraught since the fall of 2021 when the team chose not to give him a rookie contract extension after his impressive playoff run. At the time, Aiton said he was disappointed, and negotiations seemingly turned a bit acrimonious at the end of the process with Suns general manager James Jones and Aiton's representation, disagreeing on the nature of the talks. The team made him go out and find a max offer in restricted free agency, and he found one from the Indiana Pacers. The Suns announced they were matching within minutes of it being reported. From that point, his defense has dropped off from the level it consistently reached in 2021. Evidence of that came in this year's playoffs. In the series against Denver in 2021, I'm not sure I've ever seen anyone defend prime Nikola Jokic better. Aiton was active and used his length and strength to frustrate Jokic. He was physical with him at the right times and made Jokic work.
Jokic averaged 25 points, 13 rebounds and 5.8 assists in that series, but he shot just 47.7% and life was undeniably tougher. In the previous series in 2021 against Portland, Jokic went for 30 points, 12 rebounds and 5 assists per game while shooting efficiently all over the place. Since then, Jokic has gone for nearly 31 points, 13 rebounds and 9 assists per game in the playoffs while shooting 57% from the field. That version of Ayton was remarkably valuable. However, one of those incredible post-Phoenix in 2021 series for Jokic also came at Ayton's expense this season. Jokic didn't feel Ayton's presence in any way in that series, and it got to the point where the Suns were clearly better when Jock Landale was on the court. Throughout the season, Ayton's efforts seemed to wax and wane too often on defense to where it was hard to tell which version you were going to get from night to night. To me, everyone has some degree of blame here. Ayton needed to bring the things that Phoenix needed from the center position more often even when his offensive role diminished. With Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, they didn't need him to score. They needed him to protect the rim, be engaged rotationally and be active against big scorers. But the Suns have a piece in this too. They should have either paid Ayton immediately to make him happy following positive performances or they should have traded him then. The situation the last two years hasn't helped anyone. Now Ayton gets a new start in Portland, and one that is much lower stakes in a way that should help him develop. Without Lillard, there will be shots to go around, and Ayton has real talent offensively. He's much more comfortable playing face-up as opposed to putting his back to the basket. But he's enormous, strong, and has tremendous footwork. When he's actively sealing guys off in mismatches and switches, opposing teams don't really have any recourse for him. He's become better as a short-roll scoring option, showcasing touch on floaters. He made 56% of those last season. Additionally, he loves to get to his right-handed hook shot, something he made at 53% last year, per Synergy. He has a lot of work to do as a passer and playmaker, and as we'll break down below, I'd bet that is a big reason Phoenix wanted to move him. But no one in the league questions Ayton's pure talent. My guess is we see a much more engaged Ayton offensively in Portland because he knows the shots will be coming. Given what he did this past season, I don't think it's out of the question for him to average something like 23 points and 11 rebounds while pressuring the interior offensively, potentially opening things up for Henderson and Simons. It's clear Portland feels like it can get Ayton on the right track, and I don't mind betting on him as an upside swing. He can do things physically that few players in the league can, and the financial commitments of his deal matter less to a rebuilding team still in asset accumulation mode. The Blazers can afford to take home run swings like this in hopes of striking it big. And if it doesn't work, they still have another piece of this deal forthcoming that will pad out its value. That piece is Holiday, who has one guaranteed year left on his contract before a player option and has the kind of game that would be incredibly easy to fit into about 10 different contention situations league-wide as an elite defender who can play on the ball, off the ball and can shoot. You can make the case that having Holiday around for Henderson, Simons and Sharp could help to accentuate their development in meaningful ways, but my bet, given the rest of the return, is that the Blazers see Holiday as a trade chip. The return, which I'm generally in favor of, becomes exceptionally light without using Holiday's value to get other assets on a similar timeline to the rest of their roster. 
https colon slash slash theathletic.com slash 4906751 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash Damien dash trade dash trail dash blazers dash scoot dash Henderson. Go deeper, https colon slash slash theathletic.com slash 4906751 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash Damien dash trade dash trail dash blazers dash scoot dash Henderson. Damien Lillard's legacy is secure in Portland, but what remains is worth celebrating. https colon slash slash theathletic.com slash 4906751 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash Lillard dash trade dash trail dash blazers dash scoot dash Henderson. The Blazers should have no issues moving Holiday given his value league-wide. He's the exact kind of player contenders covet. For example, Boston could really use him as a potential Marcus Smart replacement. Dallas could use him as a point-of-attack stopper to put with Donich and Kyrie Irving. Tom Thibodeau would love his attitude and style on the Knicks. My favorite potential landing spot is Golden State, which could use him in the Jordan Poole role in second units offensively while allowing him to provide the elite point-of-attack defense that Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson could use in the backcourt. The key here for Portland is that it can still dictate the trade market with this deal. Holiday is still the most enticing player available, yes, even ahead of James Harden, given how Holiday's game fits everywhere. The funniest potential outcome is the Blazers going back to the Heat and asking for a similar deal for Holiday that they were offering for Lillard. It seems unlikely, but if the Heat really want to improve this year, Holiday would fit their culture to AT and present a significant upgrade around Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. HTTPS colon slash slash theathletic.com slash NBA slash player slash Bam dash Adebayo dash From a pure value perspective, this is still something of an incomplete grade for the Blazers until we know what they get for Holiday. But as long as that goes as expected, this looks like an adequate, smart return for Lillard. What exactly is Phoenix doing here? The Suns part of the deal is the one I don't love. I think it's a substantial downgrade from Aiton to Nurkic, and I'm not sure the rotation players they acquired help them enough to counteract that difference. Before explaining my worries, I'm going to put myself in their shoes and try to understand the thought process. My read here is twofold. First, from a strategy perspective, breaking Aiton's large deal up into smaller chunks to create better trade flexibility makes some sense. It takes salary cap assets out of the center position, something that is usually valuable, and puts it more into rotational wing players. As I outlined above, if this was part of the calculus, the team should have traded him after the 2021 playoff run. But that's a sunk cost, and moving forward, it may be easier to accentuate the core around Durant, Booker and Bradley Beal by having fewer assets in the position that has the highest replacement value league-wide. Second, on the court, there's at least a case that Nurkic will be better offensively for this version of the Suns. Nurkic hasn't been as good overall as Aiton since Aiton entered the league, as that coincides with the time period when Nurkic has dealt with repeated injuries but he does things as a screener and playmaker that will be more valuable to the Suns. Booker will assume the lion's share of the point guard duties along with some occasional initiation from Beal. Defensively, the best way to try to slow down an awesome pull-up shooter in a ball screen is to put two players on the ball to take it out of his hands. 
Oftentimes, the best way to counter putting two players on the ball is to hit the big man in short roll settings and letting him react and take advantage of four-on-three situations. Aiton never really developed the ability to read the floor well and take advantage of those passing opportunities. He either just goes by himself and tries to score or looks extremely sped up when he has to make a passing read. That means help defenders can crash down on him and he wouldn't have a ton of recourse. Even when he did read them right, he looked uncomfortable making the right play, often turning it over. This is a good example from the playoffs, where Aiton recognizes the crashing help defender but chucks the ball at Damian Lee's ankles despite no one being in the area. Someone more comfortable with the ball likely would have taken one dribble, tried to draw the corner defender one step closer, then hit the kick out more comfortably. Denver made life for Phoenix really hard in the back half of their playoff series by blitzing ball screens. By the end of it, the Suns had guys like Josh Okaji setting screens more often or had Booker and Durant merely go in isolation so that they could keep their hands on the ball. They lost confidence in Aiton being able to impact the game in those settings. Nurkic is one of those centers who's more comfortable handling the ball. For years, he has played with Lillard and dealt with scenarios exactly like this one, where defenses have put two players on the ball and he's been asked to short roll and make a play. Nurkic has averaged a little more than three assists per game since 2018-19 and should reduce the pressure on Phoenix's ball handlers substantially. New coach Frank Vogel should be able to put two of the big three perimeter players in Phoenix on the weak side and know they will get fed open shots when defenders have to help down onto Nurkic to stop the ball. Having Nurkic is going to make Phoenix's offense run more smoothly. The Suns will be able to get more creative in dribble handoffs, inside ball screens and more. This play below is something I do not think Aiton could do. Nurkic catches the beautiful pocket pass from Lillard to find the 4-on-3, and instead of immediately hitting the same side kickout to Cam Reddish, he attacks the defense and reads, Paul George, crashing in on the fly. He takes a dribble and reacts to George by hitting Thibault with a wraparound for the easy dunk. I'm in favor of the Suns putting the ball in Booker's hands as the lead guard, and the numbers back that up. They averaged nearly 122 points per 100 possessions when Booker was out there without a lead guard in nearly 400 minutes, per pbpstats.com, and about one-third of those minutes came in the playoffs against high-level competition. However, the best way to get the most out of it is undoubtedly by having a big man who can initiate, make decisions and handle the ball. So why don't I love this? Adding Nurkic's injury history over the last four years on top of Durant's and Beal's recent injury history seems like a bad idea. Nurkic has played just 153 regular season games out of a possible 310 since 2019-20. He had a compound fracture of his left tibia and fibula in 2019 that knocked him out for over a year. He broke his wrist in January 2021. He had plantar fasciitis in his left foot that ended his season in 2022, then dealt with a persistent left calf injury last season that limited him to 52 games and impacted performance. Because that left leg continues to cause issues, Nurkic's mobility has been significantly hampered on the defensive end. For a team that needs as many postseason players as it can find, I am skeptical this version of Nurkic will in any way be able to hold up in space on defense in a playoff setting. 
He struggled immensely last season to contain in ball screens, leading to the Blazers choosing to close games with Drew Eubanks at times. The good news is that Eubanks is in Phoenix with Nurkic again. The bad news is the Blazers were still better statistically with Nurkic in the game defensively, giving up nearly 117 points per 100 possessions when he was on the court versus over 120 when he was off. Eubanks just isn't really big enough to impact the rim. And while Nurkic is, he's a bit too stationary to be able to play in space, even in drop coverage. Here's a good example where you'll see how flat-footed Nurkic played defensively. He's not nearly active enough on his toes to be able to impact anything. He's not impacting the attempt at the rim even though he's there, and he's also not attempting to close out on a potential pass to Zach Collins, https colon slash slash athletic.com slash nba slash players slash Zach dash Collins dash y2ae hoysierx Some of this could be effort-based, but the Blazers also weren't exactly out of the postseason picture last season until after the trade deadline. They were 26-26 on February 1st when Nurkic went out with that calf injury. Another case a scout brought up to me is that, for a team looking to maximize its playoff potential, it's possible the Suns think Nurkic's bigger frame could do a better job of guarding Jokic than Aiton. I'd implore anyone who believes that to watch Portland's playoff series against Denver in 2021 when Jokic dropped 33 points per game on an absurd 53-43-92 shooting line against Nurkic. Beyond that, Nurkic's mobility looked worse last season than it was then, meaning it would be even easier for Jamal Murray to string him out in screens or pull up behind screens. Aiton had his inconsistencies defensively, but he's never been as bad as Nurkic was last season. He's also not nearly as scheme-limited as Nurkic, who needs to be used in a drop in ball screens at this point. Aiton can at least play in a few different schemes with his mobility, even if his rotational awareness was lacking when he was less engaged on the defensive end. This trade puts an immense amount of pressure on Durant defensively, as he'll be asked to cover up for a lot of Nurkic's mobility issues in help and scramble situations. And indeed, Durant is one of the most underrated players in the NBA in those settings. He's capable of a lot, but it also could put even more strain on his body in a way that you don't necessarily want him to have to deal with. https colon slash slash athletic.com slash 4906963 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash Damien dash Lillard dash trade dash bucks dash blazers dash Giannis dash onto the Kumbo. Go deeper, https colon slash slash athletic.com slash 4906963 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash Damien dash Lillard dash trade dash bucks dash blazers dash Giannis dash onto the Kumbo. Damien Lillard to the bucks? A deal that makes the NBA say, holy bleep. HTTPS colon slash slash athletic.com slash 4906963 slash 2023 slash 09 slash 27 slash Damien dash Lillard dash trade dash bucks dash blazers dash Giannis dash onto the Kumbo. If the Suns got a bigger upgrade on the wing, then I could live with the defensive trade-offs for the more free-flowing offense. But I'm not sure Allen and Little bring enough juice to make this worth the squeeze. Allen is another shooter you have to stay attached to, and he's a genuine rotation player. He has hit 40.1% from three over the last four seasons in Memphis and Milwaukee, mostly out of the kind of spot-up situations he'll be asked to thrive in within Phoenix's offense. He can also drive and finish a bit more than he gets credit for, and he typically makes solid reads on the move. 
but he's quite limited on defense due to a lack of size and lateral quickness. As long as this offense hums along in the way it should, he'll be a solid rotation player. Little is an interesting swing on what will either be a really good contract or a really bad one depending on how he plays this season. He's had a horror run of injuries that haven't allowed him to showcase what he's capable of outside of a two-month run in 2021-22 when he averaged 11 points and 6 rebounds while defending well. That run was cut short because of a shoulder tear that required surgery. And he's also had surgery in the last 18 months on both his left and right abdominal areas. A former five-star recruit who came into the NBA with a high pedigree, Little could have the kind of juice that got scouts excited when he was in high school. He's athletic, long, and physical and plays hard consistently. We just don't totally know yet what he is at the NBA level. And that's where this falls apart. Sticking with Aiton, even if the Suns were immensely frustrated with him and ready to cut ties, would have resulted in fewer questions than what they've presented themselves with here. The Suns might end up better in the regular season if they are healthy. They'll be more fun to watch. But I don't know how they get stops in important moments, and their trade flexibility remains extremely limited. This is an enormous bet on Nurkic getting back to what he was in 2018-19 prior to his injuries. I don't know that it's a better bet than getting Aiton back to what he was in Phoenix's NBA Finals run. 0-0 1938. Photo, Michael Reeves slash Getty Images.